0: Latinas in tech presents Jefa Mode Life. From Latinas in Tech, welcome to Jefa Mode Life, the podcast that celebrates the extraordinary voices of Latinas in Tech. Where resilience meets innovation and growth. I'm your host, Rocío Vanera, CEO and co-founder of Latinas in Tech. Jefa Mode Life is not just a word, it's a mindset, a symbol of strength and leadership. Built by Latinas, for Latinas. Welcome, everybody, to Heffa Mode Live. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to be featuring uh, one of the most amazing jefas I've ever met. And uh, what an honor uh, to have you, Claudia Romo Edelman. Thank you for being here Absolutely. with
1: us today. A pleasure, and the admiration, the respect, and the solidarity, and the friendship is new top. You're my absolute. hi,
0: oh. <laughs> oh, Claudia, thank you. Uh, Claudia. Let's let's dive into this. Um, to start, uh, like such a great hefa you are, a lot of Latinas are going to be asking themselves, first, what brought you here? Let's focus on young Claudia. What is Claudia's background? What brought you to where you are today? I, um, I think, Rocio, the reality is that
1: if all of us um, have, if we would be able to go memory lane and start looking at, you know, like one of two, anecdotes where you can start seeing the traces of who you are today, it would give us a lot of understanding of who we truly are and what we do and what we're meant to be doing. Maybe you're not doing what you're meant to be doing. For me, there are two stories that define me, if you want. Number one is my parents. My mother was a basketball player and uh, part of the national team of basketball in Mexico, by the way. And she met my father playing basketball. They had three kids. I was the middle one. All of us had these hyper quick development. So we started walking faster than normal, running faster than normal, talking faster than normal. And uh, both of my siblings had a hardcore stop at nine months old. And they started going backwards from Uh, running to walking, walking to crawling, crawling to sitting down until they died. Both of my siblings died when they were (sighs) um, 18 months old. And so you can only imagine not only what it did to my mom and my family, but also to my surrounding. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up under a microscope and (sighs) people were looking at like my nanny used to put me a mirror, uh, put a mirror under my nose. But I was like alive. And so the more I crossed the the milestones of two, two anniversary, three years old, four years old, the more I heard from everybody, two things. One is, wow, Mija, you're so strong. And as a fact, stronger than death, Right. Mm -hmm. And the number two is that there must be a Mm -hmm. reason. You probably have a big mission to accomplish Mm -hmm. because otherwise you would be dead. And so when you grow up thinking that there's a big mission, why you're alive, and number two, that you're stronger than death, honestly, the the bottom line is everything is possible. And I need to go and do that. Yeah. And the other thing is, when I was a teenager, um, there was a series of earthquakes in Mexico in 1985. And... Um, like me, like everyone else, we went out in the street to start looking for shelter and after the second earthquake and we started volunteering and self-organizing and shelter here and blankets here and I was part of the team that was sweeping the streets to see whether there were people trapped in those buildings. And, um, And Mm -hmm. I just, Rocio, literally just like, I don't know what the hell was I thinking that I just stopped and started screaming my lungs out. I was with this team and I just like started saying, stop, stop, come back. And there was this guy in my volunteering team that turned around and said like, what? And I'm like, I think I heard a voice. And he looked at me really angry and he was like, think or heard. And I just looked at him and started screaming even louder, like, come back come back, come back. So he came back. And by the time he was here with me, it was clear. There was a voice under the wall that was like full another building where we were. So both of us looked at each other and started screaming out loud, like, come back, come back. So two more people came. The four of us started screaming until there were like 20 of us. We started pushing that massive concrete wall for hours, at least it's what I felt. And all of a sudden, phew, There was a breakthrough, there was light. There they were, the eyes of the girl looking at us with eyelashes full of dust and with hope and saying, Uh like, you got me right. And that was the first ever time that I felt Uh useful. Like ever in my life I had Uh a feeling like that. And when I saw the mother just holding her baby girl and walking out and taking her to care. I was like so overwhelmingly happy and that was that also, you know, like it made me realize that like that there was like, it made sense. My father used to scream, like used to tell me you're so loud, you're so loud. And I was like, Oh my God, it's so great to be loud. And so I I started Uh (laughs) have more things being me without being tamed. I was starting already to be quiet by then. Uh, And when that happened, Mm -hmm. I just like started unleashing my voice, let alone be loud. I was like using it by far more and getting into the the newspaper of my school and getting into more and more things. And I think that that's where uh, I've been doing that all my life. I've been... uh, and activists, mm-hmm. trying to get the attention um, of people to things they don't see. And then using my voice to get more and more people to agree that there's something bigger that we have to work on together. And that's how the story of my life. Mm-hmm. I left Mexico um, and moved to Europe where I was for 25 years working for big organizations like the United Nations, UNICEF, the World Economic Forum, the uh, Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria. And I moved to the States nine years ago. And um, pretty much, I think that has been, (laughs) that is what I'm doing right now. I created the World Cuban Foundation in an effort to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion, but very focused on the Latino community, Mm -hmm. trying to unify voices so that we can make sure that every Latina is seen and heard and valued.
0: That's beautiful. I mean through, you know, I had a boss uh, that he said, never let a crisis go to waste. And you were in a very big crisis in a very unfortunate situation. And you encountered, uh, well, a beautiful opportunity to save a life. And you found your voice. That tragedy opened up such a huge world for you and all the things that you managed to accomplish later in life. So one thing that we can learn, Latinas, is that it is very important to find your passion and your voice. Um, is A lot of people wanna make a lot of money. And if you'd make a lot of money without passion, it becomes boring. And, and, and I think we can learn a lot on Claudia on that. Now, Claudia, you founded and collaborated with these massive organizations and you were in Europe. Now, uh, how tell me about your approach of helping humanity and or helping Latinos and the and in, in, in Mexico or the people, your people. Because I know you're doing that now. So tell me how you started combining that in time.
1: Uh, and again, you know, like the I think that what you're referring to it can apply to everybody. And I just hope that, you know, like the knowledge of people like you and I. Um, yeah, I, I hope that the younger generations can do it in half the time. Um, you can't live life backwards. But so the earlier that you learn this kind of like who you really are and what m- makes you, you know, like where your passion is, the easier it is for you to be able to find your purpose. When your passion meets your purpose, then you will find your people. And when you find those we elements, you're able to be unstoppable on the things that you want and achieve the things that you want, including um, the goals that you set yourself for, which could be, uh, you know, like wealth and richness for me, social change. But I think that we know how I was fortunate enough to have the earthquake. Um, that give me, gave me the power of, this is natural for me. My father has been telling me I'm loud my entire life. I was able to do something that gave me a lot of satisfaction, which is saving a life. And, uh, and I want to continue doing that. I just had that moment. But sometimes because of the cultural and the social and the personal barriers and the voices that we have, it's harder for us to know who we really are. And I think that a great way, and I just learned that from one of the podcasts that uh, guests that I have, and Rocio, you and I are doing now a podcast. I'm loving doing my podcast uh, called "La Latina: they play with The Place uh,
0: La Latina,
1: I love it. Uh, too. The- <laughs> one of the guests said that what comes natural to you, what you know, what gives you energy, where you're very good at, that's probably what your passion is, and what doesn't probably takes energy from you that shouldn't be your strength so even if social norms mm-hmm. and you know like the voices of like no 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 mija that's not for that's not for you um i think that we should start trying to trace who we really are and what we really want to do earlier on but for me i think that what you were suggesting and the question sorry that it took me so long to come to it um, i I do feel that I've been a Mafalda my entire life. I I am a driver. Like what really gives me passion and what I truly believe that I am set to do is social change. I'm a global mobilization expert. I've been able to mobilize millions and millions of people all my life by creating brands, by creating marketing plans, by creating master plans that people can follow. And you can only imagine that if I was able to do that for the United Nations, for refugees, um, what I felt when I got married and I I was going to live in the States, when I learned that this was going to be my community, that Latinas, I was going to be part of this larger community and that we had such a reverse marketing problem. We have such a, our reality is wonderful. Um, it's beautiful, mm. but just people don't want to see it or we don't know about it. It really became mm-hmm. something personal to make sure that my daughter, oh, not only because of my choice of getting married in this country, my daughter was going to be determined to make 50% of the salary only because she's a Latina. And that, my friend, being the fixer that I am, was not possible to accept.
0: I love it. I love how you see this. And, and actually, this leads us into the topic today. And we invited you because you're one of the world experts or the, one of the most powerful voices on uh, you know, not only Latinos in the US, the state of Latinos in the US, and how powerful we really are, how the world needs to see us. But then on top of that, about the pay gap uh, between Latinas, uh, even on Latinos, and the Latino community, Latina versus a white man, they are making a lot less. Tell me more about it, because not everybody might be familiar with this pega. Maybe, maybe they heard of it, but tell the, tell us what what encompasses that.
1: Latinas, all. we are the drivers of the Hispanic community as a whole, and the Hispanic community as a whole is the driver of America's prosperity, power, and progress. So literally if you think of Iron Man, we're the heart of Iron Man. We're where the light goes. And yet we are the minority within the minority, get the gap which among the gap. We have a massive perception issue where we're seen or identified by our physical attributes. So we are um, the downer of the perception of Latinos, if you want, uh, because people do see us as mm. sexy, loud, uh, beautiful. So they put us in unconscious biases in works and jobs that are related to those attributes in reality is that. Um, the biggest issue affecting our community is the lack of representation of Latinas that is very evident in the pay gap that we have. To put it into context, Mm -hmm. Latinas make less money than any other group in America, any minority combined in the country. So you might be an African-American gay and Handicapped and make more money than Latinas just by definition, just because you happen to be a Gonzalez or just because you happen to be a Mexican. And that represents 57 mm-hmm. cents per dollar. And per industry, it goes around. So if you're a nurse, you're, uh, you're going to get 70% less of the salary of the exact same job. Than your counterpart male uh, nurse. If you're a farmer, you're gonna be making 50 sec- 52 sec- uh, cents of the dollar. Um, and when you start looking deeper into the issue, um, one of the things that uh, one of the things that really strikes me, and the reason why I've been advocating for this and trying to bring more voices and even launch the podcast A La Latina, is because it doesn't happen at all levels. The Latina pay gap is not. All across, when you're on entry level, you make 85% of the dollar. So that means your first job, the likelihood is you're going to be paid more or less the same that your counterparts. It is, Rocio, the problem with with the higher we go, the more jefa you become, the less paid you are, and Mm -hmm. the more lonely you are. So the higher you get in the progress Mm -hmm. of your career, the more barriers you face, the less salary you have, and the less navigation skills you have to be able to advocate, to be represented by a mentor or a sponsor, and to be able to understand the transparency Mm -hmm. of corporate America. One of the issues I think happens to be uh, the, the people that you represent, Latinas in tech, is that tech aggregates data. So companies, particularly in the tech sector, just say people of color when they're doing their employee surveys or when they are doing um, an analysis of their pay. And then everyone gets into the same bucket, whether you're a woman, a white woman, an Asian, a black, like everybody in the same. So we are the aggregation Mm -hmm. of a malfunction system that if you would disaggregate the data, you could be able making some corrections. And so I think that one of the big pieces that I think we can all start doing is understanding the data, understanding where we truly are mm-hmm. when it comes to our pay gap in corporate America. Yeah. Because every corporation wants to do the right thing. I think that one of the, yeah. one of the big things that I've seen that works is the desegregation of data. And then, of course, elevate the issue because no one knows what a crisis this is. This should be Like top one in Mm -hmm. every candidate, every politician should be talking about Latina equal pay. Every company that wants to attract Latinos should be saying, I want to bridge that gap. I want to close and narrow that gap. But not even ourselves know what a dramatic uh, crisis we're facing when it comes to the gap. And I think that one, to elevate the issue, Mm -hmm. two, we have to provide solutions or recommendations for corporations. And three, Latinas have to get their act together as well, understanding what is the role that we can do ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that, uh, the, the latest point you're touching. Uh, so you mentioned the system needs fixing the system as a whole, and with the six, the system, we mean corporations, we mean government, uh, uh entities, lawmakers. Yes, that definitely needs to change, but that's not going to change by next payroll. What can we Latinas do to make it faster for ourselves? Because I can narrow my pay gap. So, what advice do you have uh, for Latinas that want to take a step and improve the little bit in their corner of uh, of the matter? Can we have any control at all?
1: I can go into the
0: actions. I am learning now the
1: more I mm-hmm. get deeper understanding of the Latino community, the more I think that we have to start with the personal with the personal stuff like our voices the things mm-hmm. that we have and the reason why I love I love you and I love everything that you represent and I love everything that you want to strive for but I also love your new vision of having a heFA mode um, We have to script. Mm-hmm. We've been acting the script, we've been giving the script of someone else, someone that is weak, someone that is submissive, someone that is, you know, like uh, not going to rock the boat or not uh, being asking for a salary, or actually negative and invisible, and we've been bent for too long. So it is time to flip the script. And I think that I want to start by doing mm-hmm. that. One is girls, girls. Get your awake, like your wake-up call. Let's actually look at who, who we truly are. We are hard workers. We are aspirational. Mm-hmm. We are fighters. We are familismo. We are bilingual and bicultural. When you know all of those things that you are, and that you're able to understand that those are positive traits for organizations, then mm-hmm. you understand that a lot of the a lot of the the, the things that we are accused of are stereotypes, biases. Um, And just like Barbie, we Mm -hmm. can flip them and say, like, um, let me be America Ferrara and break the spell Mm -hmm. and tell you that my accent is not uh, a symbol of lack of competency. My accent means that I am by." lingual and means I speak languages and I can yeah. talk to two people and I'm bicultural and that means that you can put me into negotiations, that you can put me international trade, that I, my mind is more mm-hmm. adaptable and flexible. And so if we're empowered about the things that we are uh, accused of or stereotyped by, we're going to be able to flip the script and be us. When you're a HEPA, then mm-hmm. you can start taking action. When you feel like you're empowered with yeah. understanding those uh, values that we bring to the table as positive assets to, to corporations, then you can start lo- understanding how do I self-advocate? How do I understand what is, the, mm-hmm. what is the rule of the game in this organization? When is a good time to be looking for, uh, for raising my salary? Who do I need to call as a mentor or as a, or as a sponsor? How do I self-advocate? How do I self-promote? And all of that, those things come through playbooks. I think that pretty much what I want to do in my mm-hmm. podcast is to create a playbook from the most important mm-hmm. uh, Latinas corporate America in the C-suite to understand how do you navigate that? How do you get your negotiation? In all cases, Rocio, all of our guests have said, pretty much the same thing. They didn't know how to do it. Someone else that was not a Latino came to tell them you have values that you should be using. You should be coming into this network. You should. So having a, having the navigation skills, having the manual, you know, like we're the first generation instances. We don't Mm -hmm. come with instructions. Uh, Someone that can mm-hmm. tell you where to go and how to do it is vital, I think, to understand how to self-advocate, how to self-promote, how to ask for a salary, how to work to excellence, but also how to make sure that it's yeah. not only hard work, but it's smart work and so work that is noticed and that doesn't go into the invisible.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. you are hearing so many points. Flip that script. I hear every single day from Latinas, my accent. One is the system has issues, the system can change, but then there's also self-doubt. And that self-doubt is huge. I doubt myself because I have an accent. I didn't go to that Ivy League school or an American school altogether. I I don't trust my education. The gringo education is way better. And it's just this lack of trust of things that you already have. So, as you say, many things that you think are acting against you are actually assets. So, it's not an accent. You speak more than one language. How many do they speak? And flip the script. And, and then you mentioned something at the beginning. Your dad told you you were loud. You were passionate. You have that. It's not easy. Not everybody has that. And you should be privileged to know that you can have a voice. And many Latinas, that comes with our culture, with our heritage. We're passionate and we're loud, but about others, not about myself. It's not about self-promotion because we feel greedy. We feel uh, like we're good at running a project, but not asking for a raise. So Calladita te ves más bonita is one counter thing. Uh, 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 It just doesn't agree with how we are in in, in terms of passion. Tell me about Cayeta itatevez mas bonita. How much do you like that phrase?
1: (laughs) So, look, I think that they're like uh, in the flip the script, which is something that we started getting deeper into. It again, I am a fixer, so I try to fix things, quick actions, and you know, like how do we create the frameworks? But I Mm -hmm. realize you're not going to be able to do those actions unless, at the personal level, we have the awareness of our, like, the education of who we are, what we do, and what do we want to change. And I do think that having a, a real understanding of our values, but also our root beliefs is important. Uh, calladita te ves más bonita, don't rogue the boat, um, you know, like, be grateful, mijita. It's a cultural <sighs> value, but it's a root belief that comes... And really hinders, you know, like really hinders every Latino. I think that every mm-hmm. Latino is ingrained with that humbleness that comes from, you know, that comes from, from a servitude attitude, you know, a serv- servitude leadership mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the issue with, uh, when you start looking at culturally, we're all Calleita Te Mas Bonita. Socially, we're all seeing the media, which is negative, um, Narcos, drugs, like stereotypes. Uh, you never see Latinas as the architects, as the astronauts, as the you know, like as the characters of the story. And then you have your own personal stories, right? Like that that hinder you. We need to be able to analyze those root beliefs, those those voices, and make sure that either we approve them and take them, we turn them and exchange pieces, or we reject them fully. I, for myself. I have to say, calladita te ves más bonita when appropriate. It's for me. I need to be able to know that in many instances, it is okay to be quiet. Because it is not okay to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's like a matter of knowing that what, 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 what's the environment that I'm going to be going to and what are the pieces of my clothing that I have to pack in the suitcase to where I'm going. Um, so if i 'm going to a place that is sunny i 'm going to pack some pieces of my, uh, some, some, uh, some pieces of my clothing uh, that if i 'm going to some more cold i 'm pe- going to pe- pack something different. It depends on what suitcase you need for the occasion. Mm-hmm. Rocio is packing the clothing of someone else we're trying to be someone. Mm-hmm. Open- So it doesn't mean that I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to be loud all the time, but I want to be able, I don't have to be calladita, te mas bonita forever. So it is a matter of understanding the root belief, what it does to you, um, to you personally and the values that you have in the environments where you are and be able to exchange them, um, to reject them or to embrace Mm -hmm. them. And exchanging and rejecting doesn't mean betraying your parents.
0: Right. I love it. I, 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 it just reminds me, I always say uh, working in tech or anywhere else is like playing a board game. And the thing is, they, other people play with a different set of rules. than I do. I'm carrying, like I'm waiting for them to come back and say, you're doing a great job. You deserve a race. Whereas 90 percent of races in tech are awarded when you ask for them. So we just need to flip things and, 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 and change what we can change to really make our future. Um, Claudia, I would like to uh, dig a little deeper into what is a jefa? We say jefa mode on, right? It's like a toggle. Now I'm a jefa. So, so someone might think like, well, I first need to be promoted to become a jefa or jefas make more money or jefas are in a, 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 a different role or in different companies. What? Does it mean to be a jefa to you?
1: No, I don't think that it comes with position. And I don't think that being a jefa comes with the number of people that you have, the the size of the company or anything like that. It is a, it's a place where you stand. It is Mm -hmm. a position of power that you give yourself by understanding what you bring to the table and where you want to be. And for Latinos, we are so unaware of how much we bring to the table um, in America that if we would know through the data and the history how much we're positive contributors to the country, how much the country depends on us, it would mm-hmm. give us a position of jefes and jefas and contributors. But I do think that for for us, if you start looking at uh, if you start looking at the mode, being a jefa is being able to be in control, understanding that we're 20% of the population. If uh, if you don't like a job totally you can change it. Uh, Careers are long. Uh, The country depends on us so much that you need to be in a position of power. And it comes from turning tables. It comes from being from a position of weakness to a position of power. And that is what I mean by flipping the script. When you realize how powerful we are, how much in control you can be, how much agency we have in this country, then you're going to be able to stand together, to stand tall. And it is something that we have to do as women because it's transmittable to our daughters. People see age, they, our attitude toward age, our attitudes toward power, our attitudes toward wealth are the ones that our daughters will take. So make sure you act as a heifa, so that your daughter can become one. Act, mm-hmm. Make sure that you act, embrace your own power so that your daughters can actually be powerful. The same with age. Age doesn't define anybody. Um power, you know, being a jefa is not defined by anybody but yourself. And I have, I think that we have to liberate ourselves and embrace our power and have a jefa mode on all mm-hmm. the time when you understand how powerful we are, when you know the data, when you know the history, when you know your values, and you're able to flip the script to become like the jefa you need you are and you need to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um to, well, I, I could be talking to, with you about this uh, topic forever. Uh, now, to wrap up, if we were to leave companies uh, with a message, an actionable message of what can they do next to help them change, uh, their, uh, like narrow the pay gap, What and if you could think about it, like in the, in the perspective of tech companies, what could the industry do? To help Latinas in this in narrowing that big gap, I, I think that
1: allies have an incredible role to play um, in the in this corporate spirit. So making sure that every one of your peers and managers is aware of the Latino uh, community, of the Latino reality, of our cultural nuances that take into account who we are and that you're able to flip the script to make sure that you deal with your unconscious biases. I think that that would be the first one. Educate yourself. Educate yourself Mm -hmm. on the data. Educate yourself on the biases that you have and look at Latinos as a growth opportunity. So don't take Mm it as anything. It is a growth opportunity and you want to learn about it so that it's like AI. You totally Mm -hmm. want to. They take a deep dive and, ed- and educate yourself on that. Um, the number two is, for me, um, the more I learn about like, who we are, the more I think that the mentors have a massive role um, mm-hmm. by doing two things. Number one is turning on the light. We mm-hmm. don't come with navigation skills and manuals. So we need people to guide us and tell us, mm-hmm. this is what you're going to face. This is how the environment looks like. And once you help us to understand the rules of the game, then give us a very high expectation. Tell us, you're in two, and I know you can do 10, because that's all we need as Latinas, is someone believing in us and encouraging us to get our wings getting grow- and growing and then having the big dreams that we are able to fly to. Understand, if someone tells you that you're a star, then you're going to be able to go up in the, in the sky. Yeah. Um, and I think that the last thing is disaggregate the data be curious about the pay gap which is really massive um, be curious about be curious about the pay gap uh, the by disaggregating data and taking actions so that you can correct it by providing development programs leadership programs so that Latinas can get
0: promoted I, I love it I love it what do you think about uh, uh, so uh, here in the state of California uh, companies are starting to display the bracket, the salary brackets, when they recruit. Uh, That is not a nationwide um, requirement. Do you think, how how do you see this uh, as a step forward and how, how relevant is it? I think it is really important. Um, I am very happy that, you know, like
1: California is having this, um, that that bracket. I hope that we understand as companies uh, that Latinas have the imposter syndrome number one in the entire country. So we don't apply if we don't feel that we're like 85% of the job. So you might want to do something um, accordingly to go to the places where we are to encourage us to apply even if we don't feel that we're like 100%. Um, mm-hmm. we're there and to make sure that you make an effort to uh, demonstrate that you care. Um, it is not on language, but it is uh, by making sure that you are encouraging in the job descriptions that you're in an inclusive environment where Latinas uh, can be themselves and have growth. I 100% think that uh, 100% think that understanding the, the the bracket salary that you have will help uh, will help you know like mitigate. But I do think that. Um, the bigger job is to understand where you are, where your Latinas are, and, and bridge that gap. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, if you could name your ultimate Latina right now, even like, uh, who do you look up to? What, what is that jefa that you admire? And, and, and maybe you want to invite her to this podcast.
1: I have full admiration for Dolores Huerta, uh, who you have and you know. Yeah. I have full admiration for her for a number of things. I think that um, she's 92 years old, uh, mm-hmm. has never lost a, a moment. Um, you know, like the idealism that she has and the absolute conviction um, to defend hard work of farm workers. I admire her, um, her impeccable ethic. Um, and, mm-hmm. and the values that she represents. And 1,000%, I believe that our community is Si Se Puede, we can do mm-hmm. hard things. I think that the new beliefs that we have to add on top of that is to make sure that we're doing that in a way that we can be ourselves, uh, that we have the conviction and the power that Si Se Puede, but also being myself.
0: That's absolutely uh, true. She's a superstar uh, Gosh, uh, I can't say enough of her. Uh, once they uh, in a, in an interview they asked her, if you were to win the lottery, what would you do with the money? And she said, I will put it back into the organization. Like that that drive and that passion she has and 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 and, and you know, passion makes fast Like very nice. Uh Claudia, I love uh, our time together, this conversation has been marvelous. Thank you so much for joining us. And, um, before we close, I want to ask you a simple one. Have you ever used DoorDash or any yes. other, have you ever with an app ordered some food? Yes. What was your last thing that you ordered?
1: Uh,
0: I think that acai bowl, like yesterday. <laughs> acai bowl. <laughs> cool. Nice. Nice. Acai bowl for, Cla- for Claudia. What is your favorite music? Um uh, I like salsa salsa i love salsa too lovely Claudia, thank you so, so much for sharing your time with Latinas in tech. You're a true jefa, and inspiration. And thank you so much for helping us make uh, the transition from amazing Latinas to amazing jefas.
1: Thank you uh, so much, Claudia. Thank you. thank you so very much. And I can't. I have to say thanks to you, to your leadership, to your friendship, to the solidarity that you have with so many other organizations. I hope that everybody feels hopeful and that there's yeah. change changes in the air. Latinos are getting more united and more proud. And I think it is because like jefas of the organizations, like you and I are supporting each other. And there yeah. more, and if you like the work that we do, we have our Hispanic Leadership Summit coming up on December 6th and 7th with our gala. And so yeah. that's, uh, if you, if you, if you trust what we're doing, support what we're doing. So thank yes. you so much, um, Rocio, for all, all what you do.
0: Thank you, Claudia. What a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, and see you next time at the next edition of Jefa Mode Life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Claudia. Gracias.